Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back after a long break to the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me after a week or two of feasting and relaxing and general, uh, well, I say debauchery, but well-behaved debauchery, I suppose. My mates, 60s and Quint, fellas, the festive period is now behind us. How have you pulled up after uh, Christmas, New Year's and maybe anything in between and beyond? Well, mate, before I go into myself, how's that ankle of yours going? Oh, well, I've had a, a week of learning how interconnected the foot can be. So uh, tendonitis in the Achilles resulted in a change of walking motion, which sprained another part of my foot, which has now sprained a different part of my foot. So we're, we're getting there, but it's, uh, yeah, um, a lesson about uh, taking care of your feet, I say. It's for such a young bloke too, mate. I, I, I can imagine myself coming up with these sorts of tales, but um, a, a sprightly young bloke like yourself, it's, it's, it's terrible to born, be going through. Born with short Achilles, unfortunately. So, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> well, look, not, not a what, Greek hero, but uh, do have the Achilles problem. Well, what I've been doing in this break, uh, and I don't know whether this is uh, something you fellas have had the opportunity to watch yet, but I've been binging Ted Lasso. Have either yeah. you fellas watched Ted Lasso? Believe. Yeah, seen Ted Lasso. What a great I, I, show that is. Absolutely hilarious and, and completely feel good. Yeah, yeah. Really, really enjoyable show. I never thought I'd be watching a show where soccer was the setting for the TV program and uh, and enjoying it as much as I am. But, uh, yeah, it's good. And uh, Yoko also seems to be enjoying it. So we've got something that we can watch in common, which is sports-based and a comedy and we both enjoy it. So, yeah, it's uh, highly recommended to any listeners out there. If you haven't watched it before, get on it. Uh, there's three seasons to catch up on. We're partway through season two at the moment. So, And how are you going, Clint? Well, uh, sort of uh, going back to the casualty ward theme, um, I'm fine, but my darling wife on Christmas Eve cut her finger open on mm. a mandolin. Mm. And, yeah, anyone, oh, anyone the listening, that was just makes oh. me cringe. <laughs> God, that that implement and, is so dangerous. Oh. Yeah, very very much so. And unfortunately, she uh, she learned the hard way, not using it, but drying it. Oh my god! So it was a um, yeah. yeah, it was it's a it, was, giant... it was the first time she'd done any. She's never broken a bone. Um, never so much as had anything other than just a graze. So it was her first experience in having um, any sort of uh, real physical injury and. We spend Christmas Eve in the emergency ward, so that was an experience. I, I assume and, most um, people know what a mandolin is, but for those that don't, it's essentially a giant shaving razor that lets you make super fine shavings of veggies or whatever you need correct. to do. And, and you've been using it on a on a um, on a potato bake yep. uh, prior to yep. having uh, prior to drying yep. it. So yeah, no, we, 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 I was thinking of I was thinking how does a stringed instrument. The old cause Gar- <laughs> Garrett blade. Yeah, she's got got the Garrett blade strings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, um, it, 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 it was yeah, it was an experience for her and um, her her first ever stitches. So, um, uh, talking talking her through that, and then and, and likewise the subsequent um, treatment of that injury probably took up a, 
a lot of um, our attentions throughout Christmas. And bless her, she was the the reason in which it happens because she was cooking all the sides for her family um, on Christmas Eve. And um, as you'd imagine, going to the emergency room, we were naturally late to that event. But um, like a trooper, she pulled through, and, and we when we got through um, got through the Christmas festivities. And um, and yeah, now she's going to have a, a nice little scar to tell the tale. And it, it's funny as we talk about shows there and and and, and comedies like Ted Lasso. I find, gents, whenever we're watching a thriller, and particularly one where there might be um, you know, something with a serial killer or or, um, or, or knives involved um, somewhat, my wife said to me, I always notice that you cringe at those moments in which a, a, a knife pierces skin. And I never quite got why you had that type of reaction. Now that this has happened to me, I think you have an underreaction to it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, if there's any, if there's a take for our listeners from our opening, it's uh, get onto Ted Lasso and take care if you're using a mandolin. <laughs> as we ring the bell a bit for of good the, advice out there. Yeah, I think that's some sage advice there, mate. I was just going to say, as we ring the bell for the new year, um, all those New Year's resolutions and whatnot. One thing we always do though is shout out our sponsors of the show: Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellon, and Parramatta. I mean, it's a new year, but they're still doing the same old amazing job for us. So thank you, fellas, for supporting the show. And let's get right into it. News team, assemble! Well, fellas, let's kick things off as usual with our Eels news. And, of course, the main news for this week is it's the return to the training track up at Kellyville for the first-grade squad. They commenced on Monday. Uh, I've got a training report that's up there on TCT right now for a few more details. But, essentially, you're looking at a reasonably light session on Monday, really just uh, almost like the rolling the arm over in a game of cricket, just getting used to being back on the training track. Things picked up a little bit at today's session, a lot more conditioning work that was happening, a little bit more footy, and uh, looking forward to Friday where the field session should kick up another gear as well. But, of course, in conjunction with the return to training in the pre-season, the Eels have sent out an updated injury list. John, would you like to walk us through the injury list as it stands yeah so aside from the stuff that we mostly had a, a pretty good grip on we know that Dejan Arce had a finger injury that was keeping him out sometime to the preseason. Uh, ditto for Wira McGregor who had a foot injury uh, the King Quinton Gufferson his knee injury is still slated to be during the preseason sometime and Makesi Makatoa who injured his pec in the uh, the Pacific Nations uh, tournament is also slated to come back this preseason. Um, they're the four top 30 players we already knew about. But then Arthur Miller Stephen, he did his ACL last year. He's out for the season. And unfortunately, joining him with an ACL of his own is uh, young Richard Penasini, uh, who has done his knee and will be missing the entirety of this season until season. They put him season 2025. That just means he's back for that preseason slash season. So a uh, big blow there for the Eels in regards to developing one of their premier outside backs there. Uh, Richard was fantastic in the action through the SG ball and Jersey flag last year. I get to say last year properly now without making a mistake. Uh, last year, last season, and now in alignment. And yeah, that, that really sucks to see, guys, because uh, Richard, not only is he an excellent talent in the football field, he's a fantastic young man. 
younger brother of Will. Uh, big things were expected of him this year. Uh, whether or not that meant an NRL debut or not, he was expected to make some serious developments through New South Wales Cup at the very least, and that's been denied. Yeah, he's a different type of player to Will. Will is really that uh, bullocking, chunky build at centre. Richard is taller. Uh, he's still got a strong frame, uh, fast, uh, but he could also play a bit of wing mm-hmm. as well as centre. He was having a very good preseason up until his injury just before Christmas. So that's a real shame that he misses an entire season of uh, footy. So The good news yeah, but, is that um, ACLs aren't the debilitating long-term injury they once were. So while it sucks to have him lose a year of progress now, it's not going to slow him down in the long term. Yeah, well, he's got at 18 years of age, he's got a lot of football ahead of him. So he turns 19 this year. Um, but yeah, so he'll he'll still be, uh, well, probably effectively a teenager for a short time when he comes back at the beginning of next season. Uh, the uh, other thing too is that the junior rep trials for this weekend against the Bulldogs have been shifted from Eric Tweedale Stadium to New Era Stadium at Cabramatta. Uh, it all kicks off at nine o'clock with the Tasha Gale, and then every two hours a match commences working through um, the, uh, sorry, the kicks off with the Lisa Fiola Cup, not Tasha Gale, and then it uh, goes through Lisa Fiola, Harold Bats, SG Ball, with the matches kicking off at two hour intervals. So uh, if you had planned to get to Junior Reps, this weekend, make sure you're heading out to Cabramatta, not to Eric Tweedale Reserve at Granville. And, uh, fellas, I think that pretty much wraps up what's happening at the Eels, unless there's anything you're aware that's there, that's uh, cropped up in there, the last hour or two. There was some, obviously we weren't recording, but there was some sad news over the break between the loss of Carl Webb, Carl Webb sorry, and Troy Dargan uh, in different circumstances. So, obviously, uh, our condolences to both families there, Webb, Spent one season with the Eels, and Troy Dargan was a Parramatta junior. Um, but aside from that, I think that's mostly the Parramatta news. Yes, yes. We put out a um, uh, uh, our uh, expression of sympathies uh, in rinse, written form at the end of last season. But, of course, from our podcast perspective, yes, uh, uh, thinking of the families there. Okay, John, it's the first one of the of the new season but I'm curious as to what music you've got lined up for us for the well, interval. Sometimes you, you set up those layups and, you know, in the, the show notes and, you know, here's a, a nice <laughs> little handoff and sometimes it comes off unscripted and you brought up Ted Lasso and it's a bit of a loose connection here, but it's an Apple TV series and I actually started watching another Apple TV series myself this week, Slow Horses, which is a British series uh, <laughs> starring uh, the, well, anti-typecast uh, Gary Oldman, you know, one of the most versatile actors I think we've ever seen. And it's uh, not MI6, but it is MI5, the internal department there. And sort of the creative juices started flowing. I was like, MI5, MI6. And yeah, I sort of came across a, another sort of soundtrack going back to my gaming roots that Quint might recognize here. And you might just recognize as well, 60s, because it's a very iconic tune. (laughs) 
I think Quint might know what it is. Can you hazard a guess, not where it's from, uh, but what it's based on, 60s? Oh, it's the, it's the James Bond thing. Yes, good man. Yeah, from Nintendo 64 GoldenEye. Yes, indeed. One of the most outrageously good <laughs> pause music soundtracks that's ever existed on an old console. So uh, whoever made that did a banging job, and it's, yeah, classic. One of the greatest video games ever yeah, created. It's, uh, you were a kid in the 90s and you grew up yeah. playing GoldenEye. You, you had a great childhood. Yeah, and uh, where, where some of the sort of original family feuds came from gaming as well, about you know, who was, <laughs> who was, which weapon set to use, uh, you know, which map to go on and, you know, what's fair. No odd job. Uh, you got to ban odd job, so. But yeah, well, so, uh, I can tell you, fellas, just, just keeping in that spy theme, uh, we watched a couple of James Bond movies during the break, uh, a couple of the more recent ones. I'm not really a huge James Bond fan. I'll put it out there. It's uh, the, I wouldn't go and watch them in cinemas, but I don't mind watching them as a bit of home viewing. But... Uh, following on from that, a music video came up for the song Secret Agent Man. Now, uh, I think it's by Johnny Rivers, and it was it was a theme song for a 60s spy show, television show. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about this is it's an earworm for Yoko. <laughs> she messaged me about it, just saying... Uh, she couldn't get the song Secret Agent Man out of her head. And uh, I had to make it a little bit worse by sending through part of the lyrics to the song. Let's make sure. They've taken away, uh, they've taken away your, uh, they've given you a number and taken away your name. I think so that's the lyric from the song. So, yeah, Secret Agent Man. Uh, good old 60s track if you uh, like uh, that. And the guitar riff is sort of fairly loosely based i think on the james bond theme song so there we go bit of a link there okay fellas we now launch into nrl news and what would it be without the west tigers featuring in the nrl news every week uh first of all a couple of things that uh, came up during the break we had luai confirmed going to the Tigers. We've talked a bit about him in the past and the value of uh, the the long-term rich contract that he's on for the Tigers when he's probably not a confirmed playmaker, but he's going to be expected to take on a playmaker role. It looks like closer to reality, the uh, swap that's going to get Justin Olam to the Tigers. But the other big news that came out uh, today, I think it was, is that Scott Fulton has parted ways with the Tigers. Uh, thoughts on that, fellas? Because his arrival caused a bit of consternation. And is it is it a case, do you think, of the new board cleaning out appointments that were deeply associated with the old board? At the simplest level, I would say that's it. I think, yeah, at the most basic level, that would be it. Um, you know, maybe he wasn't, they weren't, they did an internal review and they weren't impressed by how he presented, perhaps. But at the most basic level, I, I don't think it's too much of an assumption to believe that they just wanted a clean house, fresh start. Uh, and, you know, Fulton came across mm. as a, there was a lot of talk, like you said, 60s, about the nature of the recruitment there. And, 
the sort of subterfuge between Manly and the Tigers there and whatnot. And so the Tigers get a chance to start clean there. And I can't really knock them on that decision. That seems like a sensible call. Yeah, look, it, it's it's pretty common practice in all parts of business. The second a new CEO comes in, generally the first moves he makes within the first three months of being hired is to fire his COO and fire his CFO because you need to have um, people that are um, making those big decisions within the club aligned to what you're doing. And it's not common that when uh, there's a changing of a guard that there is that alignment. You know, normally, normally they're part of the... Um, the old think, if you want to quote unquote that, um, put that in inverted commas, I should say. So, you know, um, it, it, it makes sense. And, you know, I, I don't think that it would have been anything personal. I, I actually think that this is a case of what was reported and both parties just saying, look, this is what, this is what it is, is, is actually true and reflective of what happened. Now we're going to wrap up the signing and contract news with, first of all, uh, Hosking is, uh, moving from the Panthers to the Raiders, good pick up for the Pan- uh, for the Raiders there, Clint. Look, I I think so. I mean, he you know he, he's a handy player and he's 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 done well in his appearances in our old thus far, but he hasn't established himself as a mainstay in first grade just yet. So he obviously gets the opportunity to do so down in Canberra. A three year deal gives him plenty of security as well, and you know that's that's pretty valuable to um, someone who's in his position. And, you know, um, having that having that longer term security, the opportunity to establish himself, he'll also have the opportunity to renegotiate his contract halfway through if he's killing it. If not, he's still got that security to, to, to keep his NRL dream alive. But, um, yeah, you know, um, he's, he's probably a natural successor to a, a player like Elliot Whitehead, who's in his last year. Um, you know, they get a little bit of crossover this year um, in season 24 and, you know, um, the opportunity for him to establish himself as his successor is available to him if he's good enough to take it. Yeah, sounds like the plan there. And John, a new NRLW coach for the Knights. Yeah, which is a bit of a surprise, isn't it, given their success in the competition? So I'm not sure what the backstory there is as to why they would need a new coach. Did they get, did they get poached? What, do you, does anyone know why? No, I'm not sure ben on that Je- either. Ben Jeffries no. has been announced. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really sure why. You've got to, you've got to imagine that their incumbent might have been poached. But, yeah, so they've got a talented squad, though. So whoever steps in is going to have the reins of a pretty handy unit there. Um, I, I could be mistaken, but I loosely recall reading that he, he may have transitioned to another role at the Knights. Ah, that would uh, make sense. Okay. So Ben Jeffrey steps in, uh, he gets the you know the reins to a premiership team, uh, yeah, and you'd have you have to think that that's as good a you know first step as you can get in a coaching career. So be interesting to see what he can do there and how the Knights back it up uh, with the best player. Well, it might be a little bit of pressure. Might be a bit of pressure. On perhaps, you, mate, to, perhaps, yeah. You know, you know, like you're taking over a a, a team that's back to back premiership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know if you don't go. Uh, the three-peat, you've, the team's gone backwards. So that's, that's a tough ask, you know. You don't win the title, you've, you, you're gone. You're gone backwards. It is, so, a, it is a double-edged um, blade, that's for sure. You know, you get a, an incredible flaw because you get a yeah. premiership-winning team. But then again, the expectations are win another premiership. So We're, we're, we're speaking about Ted Lasso and, and um, you know, 
for, to many Australians, soccer. To, to me, if you're a little bit more uh, European inclined, call it football. Um, the, the successor of the great um, Sir Alex Ferguson, the long-term manager of uh, Manchester United, is what a follow-up act he had. And within, what, I think it was within seven months, um, he, he was moved on. So um, David Moyes, who, who's actually been a relatively successful manager in his own right and done done quite decently at, at um, clubs like West Ham, where they won the um, Europa League last year. But, um, you know, it's, it's a tough act to follow someone who's established themselves as, as a successful coach, um, no matter the sport. Um, so, yeah, I'll wait and see, I guess. Well, quick, quick question to you, Clint, as the football uh, in bird commerce. <laughs> it's hard soft. for you to say it, isn't it? <laughs> Bloody yeah, hell yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> as the as the as the football expert on this panel, what is the reasoning that they call their coaches managers rather than the coach? Look, um, I, I, I honestly couldn't say I know the exact reason why. I can, I can, uh, I guess. Um, try and connect the dots and go, it's it's just a case of a different use of language because all of the, like the secondary staff or the supporting staff, I should say, that exist under the manager, um, they, um, they they do a lot of the face-to-face coaching, whereas the the manager or the gaffer, as they're nicknamed in, in English football um, or European football even, um, because their responsibilities exist not just as a simply as a head coach, they also have some administrative um, duties, and um, and obviously they're very active in the in the player listing and the and the negotiations of of, of what happens in the transfer list twice a year. Um, the you know it's not simply a case of they're turning up with a whistle and putting out some cones and saying here's the drills you're running, and on game day they turn up in a suit. Not to say that other sports do that either, but you know, um, there's that, uh, I guess, that a little bit of British classism and prestige around the title of a manager versus a coach. Ah, okay. Um, now, we'll, we'll wrap up the club scene by talking about what looks like a positional switch up at the Broncos with Selwyn Cobbo uh, rumoured to be moving to uh, a spot in the centres. John, what's your take on that? I mean... He is, you know, immensely talented, massive athletic unit, so it's hard not to see it working. Um, in saying that, the the Broncos have a big void at centre with the loss of Herbie Farnworth to the Redcliffe Dolphins, or just the Dolphins. Um, so there's no doubt that they're looking, and I know X Factor's a lame way of saying it, but just to replace that void and, you know, you know, fill the boots of a, a big playmaker like Herbie was for the Broncos. So it makes sense to, to test out how he can step in and, and handle those responsibilities. But at the same time, I, I, I'm a little bit ambivalent about it because I think mm. that a lot of, I don't know if, if it's teams or if it's just players themselves, it, it does feel like wings remains a criminally undervalued position in the NRL. Yeah. I mean, it, yep. again, we, we've spoken about it in the past, but essentially outside of your spine, it, it's the position that handles the ball the most. You know, you're doing, mm-hmm. the, you're diffusing kicks, you're doing kick returns, you're doing set starts, you're doing finishes. You know, you're doing not just meat and potatoes, but starting sets and finishing sets. So, I don't know. And like, at centre, you're signing up for a far greater defensive yep. responsibility and load. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, you know, and, and, you, and you know, I know the elite centres get paid a lot, and that's probably, you know, the, the you know, shy of, of obviously not having the fullback option available to them anymore at Brisbane. 
he views himself as potentially um, his his best opportunity to increase his earning capacity. But um, yeah, look, if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm a little bit uh, I'm cautiously optimistic because I think I think on the attacking side of of things it works. But you know, if I'm if I'm an opposition coming up against Brisbane and what Herbie defend uh, Herbie played on the left edge, so he plays um, would defend outside of Ezra Mam. I'm kind of looking and going, you know what? Let's let's pepper these guys and see what they got, because I reckon we might have a bit more um, a bit more success trying to break through this side in 24 than we did this side in 23. Yeah, it's uh, interesting times ahead. It's uh, you know I, I look at those positions and I go, as you said, the load, the running meters load for wingers is exceptionally high. It's not unusual for a winger to top the running metres for mm. a match. And that's not through backing up a break to, you know, have a long run and get some cheap metres uh, that way. It's it's the workhorse sort of stuff. Yeah, from it's, it's, it's the donkey work. Yeah, yeah, all those uh, dirty metres. Yeah, they're not, they're not show, ponies, but... show ponies, they're cart horses. Like, they're doing the tough stuff. Mm. Yeah, but at the same time, they're expected to do some of the show pony stuff, yeah, like the some of those exactly. spectacular mm-hmm. dives into the corner. The the athleticism that's required for, for that, the taking of the high ball. It's um, as you said, it's a it's very much an undervalued position, and I wonder whether they are diminishing the strike that's there on the wing with Cobo and. You know, in attempting to cover a lost position, there may be a weakening elsewhere. Mm. So, uh, anyway, it, we'll, we'll it, it just kind of smells like I was just going to add to finish here. It just kind of smells like they're analyzing this from one side of the ledger, you know, and they go, like, oh, we've lost this really good, um, uh, you know, and I, I feel that fun was some um, defensive um, capabilities were, were underrated there, but you know, we've lost this good attacking center, you know. What, who's the who's the next best attacker that we have on our books that we can replace him with? Ah, oh, so when you played Origin, you you you're, you're very capable. Well, let's put you there, as opposed to yes. going. Actually, we get a lot of value out of Sylvan um, carrying um, carrying the ball as as you both touched on um, out of the deep end and and, and finishing off backline movements. There's so like, uh, are we weakening a strength here? Don't know if someone's asked that question there. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I think there's potential for that. Now let's wrap things up with a bit of time on the Las Vegas experiment because there's a bit of news that's been coming out about that recently. The first couple of pieces of news are really about the development aspect of the game over there. So first of all, we've got news that there is a Vegas Nines that's happening on the 29th of February and the 1st of March. So that's before the double header. And the local teams over there are competing for, I think it's about 40000 in in prize money. So it's not like it's a, a, a rich um, uh, tournament that they're entering in, but it is also that opportunity to showcase a form of rugby league to the public over there. Um, it's, it's evidently it's gone past 16 North American teams that have entered. Uh, there's talk that it may expand to some grassroots clubs from Australia, England and South Africa. But uh, just running through some of the clubs that have entered over there, you've got the Santa Rosa uh, Dead Pelicans. 
the who are the USARL champions? Dead Pelicans? Is that right? Uh, let me let me Google uh, this. I'm trying to put that one together. <laughs> let me Google yeah, this. Um, no, that it, there's, yeah, there's, it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Um, you know, people say the Eels is an unusual name for a rugby league team, but um, yeah, uh, just going through that yeah, with the, some of the other teams mentioned. Uh, uh, so from Utah, there's the Provo Broncos, the Glendale Storm, the Herriman Roosters, the Riverton Seagulls, um, Canada's BC Bulldogs and Storm, the Ontario Ospreys and Toronto Saints uh, look like competing as well. So it's um, giving an opportunity for the local players over there to travel to Vegas, uh, get out there on the field, compete, put the game of rugby league again a little bit more into the headlines, but this time from a local perspective. And then importantly, that's being followed up by what they call a combine. And John, you might mm-hmm. be able to talk us through that because it's evidently it's an NFL yeah, terminology. Um... But athletic. it's sort of like tryouts, I gather. That's... It's, yeah, very compartmentalised tryouts. It's athletic testing. So in the NFL combine, which I imagine is the most uh, analogous in terms of what they're going to be doing, uh, you, me- you measure 40-yard dash uh, with a 10-yard sp- uh, split. So that's roughly, what, 36 metres, I think, in uh, the metric system. So they'll do that. Um, they will do horizontal and vertical leap explosive testing. So you jump up and hit the... Uh, little uh, rack thing that uh, spins around to measure that, and then you'll do a, a horizontal leap across a measuring tape. Um, they'll do some uh, agility testing, shuttle drills, and uh, free cone. Uh, so I think there's like a 10-meter or 20-meter shuttle. There's a free cone. There's a couple others. And then they do field drills, which aren't test, like aren't measured in terms of uh, uh, time or anything like that, but it's just the way for coaches to see it. And I imagine they're going to uh, do something similar but uh, more specialized towards rugby league. Um, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what happens because we don't have that in Australia. We don't do, uh, you know, sort of our prospective stuff in terms of ranking our rookies and creating a, a centralised list like baseball or doing athletic testing the way that the NFL does for their prospects where, um, you know, obviously when you're trying to coach or develop a, a player, the actual ability to translate their athletic potential on the field is the most important thing. Um, and there's guys that aren't necessarily incredible athletes that end up being fantastic footballers Maybe someone like Jamie Lyon, you know, comes to mind like that, where you look at, at Lyon, he wasn't, you know, the most uh, phenomenal athlete, but he was obviously a good athlete, but he transcended that and played incredible football. Uh, but on the flip side, sometimes there's a, you know, a raw athletic prospect that uh, just needs a, a bit of time to cook in the oven, a bit, a bit of time to develop. And that's what these combines are fantastic for, you know, unearthing. And sometimes you don't, it doesn't work out, but at the same time, sometimes you get a guy that's a freak, and ends up being, uh, you know, a, a freak on the field as well. So be very interesting to see what happens here and how many, uh, you know, sort of American football college uh, graduates or guys that couldn't make it in the NFL end up trying out and if anyone uh, catches the eye of any potential NRL or Super League scouts. So they're, they're talking about 25 male and 25 female athletes that, that are going to take uh, part in it. And from that, that they'll uh, offer two males and two females the potential to um, to come well, the opportunity to come and train with uh, some NRL clubs and showcase their talents to the club at, at uh, training. So, um, yeah, interesting times. What do you let's let's have a, a, a little bit of a, a quick 
thought on this. What do you reckon the potential is for getting either an NRL or NRLW player out of the combine? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll kick it off, and I'll say I think the first one that'll come through will be an NRLW player from mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I think it's more for likely. Sure. I mean, the, the NRLW has already had a history of uh, getting some cross-code mm-hmm. players interested in the game, and I think that's where they're likely to be able to develop a gifted athlete, physically gifted athlete, and convert them to uh, rugby league. So, And, I mean, it, it might be something where you know, they're, they're a couple of years in development to get to that stage where they debut. But I think that's where we'll see the first uh, success story out of the combine. What about yourselves? Yeah, what no, do you think? I think you're spot on. I think the NRLWs yeah. are, are more accepting and nurturing development uh, sort of zone right now compared to the NRL, which is, you know, obviously on the back of far more years of professional players, way more aggressively streamlined and less forgiving when it comes to players with flaws which is the reality of what, you know, an American prospect is going to have coming into mm-hmm. uh, or out of the combine into the NRL. Um, so I think the NRLW makes a lot more sense for a prospective uh, first-up debutant. But in saying that, um, I think on the flip side, if you, you know, we talk about athletic testing, we talk, we talk about that wing position. I think wing's probably the spot where yeah. um, you can go and take someone that is big, tall, fast and say, mm-hmm. okay, we can sort of work with that and maybe it won't work this year or next year, but there's something there. So if someone really... Yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth, John. I was going to say almost <laughs> ad verbatim. <laughs> but yeah, if you see someone that can fly like the wind and jump, uh, you know, 40 inches as they like to do in the uh, the combine testing, <laughs> obviously they, they measure everything in the imperial system. Um, so if so, like, for example, if someone had a 40-inch vertical or high 30s vertical, uh, could broad jump 9, 7 plus, 10, 10 feet plus, uh, and had, you know, a very quick 40-time 10-yard split, uh, then I think there'll be a few NRL teams that would say, okay, we might be able to take a punt here. Yeah. Clint, anything more you want to add? Yeah, look, it, it, it's hard to look past any any position but wing really being the um, the, the uh, place for opportunity from the male side. Um, for all the attribute reasons that, that John just stated, um, you know, and it's... It, it, it also, um, respectfully, I mean, it's very respectfully to, to, to NRL wingers, it's probably the position with the least learning curve for someone that's coming to the game new as an adult. Um, you know, because you, you, you've got, uh, you, you think of um, other players in edge positions, like second rowers and centres, who, um, who have grown up um, running those lines, defending in those systems, are used to defending multiple systems, Um you know, um, halves is obviously very specialist, and I would say that that um, you're, you're you're absolutely more chance of um, striking it rich on the slot machines over in Vegas than finding so, uh, uh, someone at the combine that is going to be a potential half. Um, again, no 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 disrespect um, um, intended there for for anyone who might be a half trying out over there, but you know, it's the the the, the players are just so established in the systems over here. You know, having played rugby league in those positions from five, six, seven, eight years of age through to um, 15, 16, um, when they're first being scouted in the system and then further developing from there, they're just so far behind the eight ball in that regard. 
Um, likewise with um, fullbacks and hookers for that same reason. Um, you know, the, probably the next the next possible um, leap might be like a, a, a middle, a prop forward and someone who's sort of that rampaging runner, but you'd still have to teach them um, a, a hell of a lot defensively to get up to, to speed in rugby league because um, fact of the matter is by the time that they're um, teenagers, young adults, they're not playing both sides of the ball in in um, in football over there. They're, they're either specialist attack or specialist defense players by that point. I know in the um, sort of the local competition systems before they end up in the school systems and the and the college system that it's very common for players to play both sides of the ball at, at, at that age. But um, you know, by the time that they're um, you know um, early teens, um, they're, they're they're specialist attack or defense players. So. You know, you're, you're having to teach um, someone who might be that type of, I guess, that prototype of player to play both sides of the system. And, you know, you kind of wonder if, if you're going to go down that path, is it worth the investment of, of putting that much time, money and energy into someone to get them up to that speed? Or if you've already got someone local who's who's gone through that and it's got much um, uh, uh, a lot less of a learning curve. Yeah, my advice for anyone that over there that's trying out in these combines and uh, is doing so as a wing is uh, practice your passing from dummy half because that's that is a, a skill that wingers have increasingly had to come to terms with over the years from the old kick chase and the the start of a of the uh, early start of a set um if the if the dummy if the halves or five eight hasn't got back there for a play of the ball it's the uh, winger that's going to jump in uh, if the fullback's playing the ball, jump in and, and get that pass away from dummy half. But anyway, uh, we now move on because, fellas, I was contacted by our good friend in America, Ron Greek, about a topic that he thought, well, he'd like to hear discussed on the podcast. And that was the confusion around rugby in the United States because. According to Ron, and I, I don't, and I would say this is probably a hundred percent true, is that a lot of people in the United States don't realise that there is a difference between rugby union and rugby league. And when they hear the term National Rugby League, they are seeing it the same as National Football League, where league is like a generic term for the competition itself, and think, uh, think not in... realising that. It's uh, it's in fact uh, an entirely different code of football, and he's wondering whether it is important as part of this trip to ensure that the American public that get interested in this are also at the same time educated about the fact that rugby league is a different game to rugby union. Yeah. Now, interestingly, as I said, this is coming from the perspective of an American supporter of the game, mm -hmm. not someone who's a rusted-on rugby league fan who uh, in Australia who might arc up at yeah. the... At <laughs> the, hack, the hackles fusion. raise and, are you serious? Yeah. You know? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like, like we normally get when you hear Victorians talk about... Well, just, just wait, uh, yeah, I was about to say, wait, you get the debate about yeah. Victorian football and, <laughs> <laughs> and rugby. <laughs> so... Fellas, what do you think? Do you think is should it be part of the um, goal of the of the trip there to educate that it's the name of the code rugby league, 
Um, is it just a matter of this first time just get an interest in the product? I think, and leave the education till later. What, what's, I think what's your take on? Well, obviously, it is important to differentiate between rugby league and rugby union. I think, in terms of branding, it's the NRL that is the most important thing from this trip because you want mm. you want them talking about the NRL, which you know, National Rugby League. It does lend itself to that same issue, but when you start searching NRL. It's going to, you know, feed you right into the the eco the environment, the ecosystem of rugby league, and you know they're going to go to nrl.com. You're going to go to the club websites. You're going to be, you know, immersed in that sort of branch of footy. Um, and look, it, it clearly is important. And if you're having conversational explanations in person, uh, in terms of trying to relate that to them, you could talk about how uh, American football and Canadian football are very similar, but they're also different. You know, they, they're ostensibly the same game with a lot of the same rules, but there are differences. And that's the same between rugby league and rugby union, where it's very much a similar game, but it, there are differences. And if you're having that conversation, that's completely different when you're just being, you know, across the table or in a bar, trying to explain it. But I wouldn't be wasting resources saying, "Hey, we're not rugby union." I'd be going, "No, we're the NRL," and let that let that sort of figure itself out. Yeah, is the thought there as well that if you start talking about rugby union, you're giving rugby union a plug? Yeah, exactly. It's and, and, and clouding the waters a bit. And. It, it's it's a difficult thing too because if you try and uh, go hush hush about it, you almost create a Streisand effect where people start going, "Okay, well, what's rugby union? Why don't you want to talk about rugby union?" So, like I said, I think it's more about branding as the NRL, uh, you know, as the Sydney Roosters, the Manly Seagulls, uh, South Sydney, and who's the fourth team? Brisbane. Brisbane. So, and then again, that also raises its own problems because you've got the Denver Broncos, the Brisbane Broncos, and you know. Uh, I think some pretty uh, liberally inspired uh, branding that was uh, borrowed, but um, that may be a good thing. Like that, that might actually be a you know a talking point in a positive way. It's like, oh yeah, you guys have got a Broncos too, um, and you know you've got Seagulls, we've got the Philly Eagles, who like to throw batteries at their uh, center. You know that's a whole thing there. Um, but yeah, look, like I said, for me, branding it as the NRL, not rugby league versus union, is probably the priority. Um, I, I imagine it's going to be a conversation point at some point. They're going to have a segment where maybe they'll get Tom Brady in or some celebrity or, you know, uh, Hugh Jackman or Russell Crowe and they'll say, no, 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 we're, you know, we're the 13 mad code and we do this and we do that. Mm-hmm. And it's probably just going to make a lot of people go, what are you, what are you talking about? Just let me watch the sport. So, like I said, I wouldn't well, be belaboring the point. Well, Clint, just to maybe uh, kick it off still a little bit more is that, a lot of the early media that's happened where we've had those uh, players like Aaron Woods um, over there and having a bit of a making an appearance at NFL games is the word that is used is not NRL, it's rugby. Mm. So when they're talking about, uh, you know, what, uh, what's the difference between rugby and NFL? And they're asking those sorts of questions or, you know, uh, can you describe rugby to us? They're just using that term rugby. So um, is it then, Im- you know, important for the players just to simply say, uh, taking John's stance there, well, in the NRL, and then talk about that, because at the moment it seems like they're ignoring the fact that they're using the term rugby and not doing any sort of correction on it. So um, all of the, well, I, I guess if you, if you gave 
a um, a sheet for the media to follow, uh, almost like a tip sheet about what's happening is, you know, maybe could you suggest to them that they don't use the word rugby, but rather use the word NR, use the the brand name of NRL. Would that be a, mm. a, a positive? And that would to well, well to, to to answer your question, there six is. Uh, firstly, I want to I want to acknowledge um, my good mate John here and say you started the the twenty twenty four preseason in absolutely fine form because I, I agree entirely with you. NRL branding should absolutely be the path and avenue that we're going down, and. Um, and the use of, uh, you know, like differentiating the rugby's or sort of doing that correction, you know, um, there are, there, I, I think um, the way to, to, to address it, if you're going to address it, is to do it playfully, you know, to have to, to use the celebrities as John selected, uh, suggested, you know, um, in, um, in the match programs that are actually shared at Allegiant Stadium when the games are being played there, you can have a page that, you know, it's not a thesis by any stretch of the margin, but, you know, it just has a little bit of detail about it. You know, you can do playful things on social to say, you know, um, what's, you know what's rugby league or how, when uh, the history of rugby league, et cetera. And you can get around it that way without actually having to refer to rugby. But look, I, I think the players over there um, have just winged the media, to be perfectly honest, and they've stepped into the, they've stepped into the trap because the local media there is, of course, going to naturally refer to it as rugby. You know, they're not, um, and, and, and it's um, onerous on the NRL who are having these players go out and be their spokespeople to give them that directive. You know, um, and you know, they may very well have, and the players have made a mistake. I don't know, but um, if, if w w whatever, um, whichever um, thing that's led to it, um, they have been using the terminology rugby, and I think that's a mistake. And I think um, getting too caught up in trying to correct it as well as also a mistake. I think that you can be informative in the right um, forms of media. And likewise, I think we should absolutely, as John suggested, be owning the NRL brand and getting that plastered everywhere because that's what's going to be on the ball. That's what's going to be on the on the big screens at the stadium. It should be the vernacular that's being used by everyone as well. And it resonates um, with the way they advertise too. It's the MLB, it's the NBA, exactly it's the right. NFL. Exactly right. Yes. You know, like there's already something in their culture that um, that 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 uh, I guess approves that. You know, it's it's the easiest way to catch on. I think they're absolutely missing a trick. By not doing that. Well, I think, I think to be fair, as you said, it, it's important to tackle it from the vernacular, which because the the advertising, the promotion is all using the terms NRL. You know, the NRL's coming, all that sort of stuff. But it's when the discussion points are happening, when the media are, are covering and talking to people about it, where that terminology of rugby comes in and yeah look I think it's important to be proactive in that regard and rather than as you suggested rather than worrying about correcting them um, informing them and mm. as I said you know whatever media are involved in covering it over there that there is a, a an information sheet that's put out for the media which you know can basically say you know rugby union uh, rugby the NRL, is the game of rugby league, which is different to rugby union. Mm -hmm. uh, they are two mm -hmm. separate codes. Um, and then, you know, we will be using the terminology NRL throughout this promotion. And, you know, as, as simple as that, because, you know, this is the, this is our branding. It is both the name of the code and the name of our competition. 
Do we? So does the code have a principal alcohol sponsor these days? Even if they're allowed to, because um, it feels like they're they're missing a you know a sort of a viral YouTube ad tie-in of you know the boys doing Aussie things like barbecuing and whatnot and sort of in Larrikin terms explaining yeah the NRL step into and, that identity yeah like you know in flip flops and whatnot and then you know having a barbecue or shrimp on the barbie as the Americans love to you know use that turn of phrase and explaining rugby league in bite sized pieces. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for any of the major sponsors associated with rugby league, yes, there is a there is a major opportunity there, and you'd lo- also like to think that the four clubs that are over there, their media departments should be taking full advantage of this, like really just promoting the hell out of their mm. involvement in it. And, and, and while we're just on that sixties, I might do a quick sidebar. I actually hate that the Brisbane Broncos have done a Vegas special jersey that isn't Ugh. iconic with um, something that's synonymous with the branding of their club. You know, um, I, I've, I've, I really think that um, in trying to be fancy and having their own mar- um, marketable merchandise for their fans back home, they're potentially missing a trick in terms of brand identification and who they are over there because you've noticed the other three clubs are going over with their primary slash home jerseys over there. Big, big thumbs up and tick to that. Yeah, I, don't, I, think, I don't understand why the Broncos haven't. I think the only other acceptable jersey for mine would have been if you did a classic throwback. Um, yeah, like a that, retro. That's yeah. right. That, that's something that the Americans love as well. They love a good throwback jersey, but you're trying to get them to buy into your current you know, culture, your current identity. But yeah, that that feels like a weird mistrick from the Broncos there, I agree. That, that, that on top of the fact, you know, you mentioned the, like, uh, the likeliness to the Denver Broncos. Well, there'll be plenty of people who don't like the Denver Broncos <laughs> and are already not excited about Brisbane in the first place. So, you know, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if they've necessarily thought that through in their marketing department. I think they thought they were onto something good and they haven't, they haven't quite um, fully baked that idea. Yeah, it, it's, there's, there's so much to dive into with regard to this trip to Vegas because we were looking at it from uh, – when it was first announced, just from that aspect of, oh, this is all about the gambling dollar. And as we're getting closer to it, we're we're thinking more about the marketing of the game. We're thinking about the promotion Mm. of of the game. It's uh, and development. So it's, it's interesting maybe because they, they've obviously set about a five year plan with this, Maybe it can lead to a little bit more than what some of us thought. Um, it'll oh, look. I'm hoping that it does provide that brand awareness in the market in America. Uh, I don't think they'll ever be, um, you know, rugby league mad over there. But how much? But the soccer, the soccer comparison in America is a good long-term goal for rugby league in America yeah. getting to that standard that is that that should that 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 should be something they look and go look we're not going to be an NFL or an MLB or an NBA but we can be an MLS mm-hmm. uh, yeah. how, how much yeah. would and, you be willing to to I, I say sacrifice to uh, offer up 60s in order to grow the product there obviously right now it's round zero two games set before round one would you do a full round, a magic round? Would you do state of origin, internationals? Like, where where do you draw the line for trying to develop the code over in the states? Um, I'd probably draw the line at. Uh, I don't think I'd want to ever want a full round, 
that's there. Um, there will come a time when our club will go over and play a, a match there. I'm hoping it's not a home match, being you know as um, as insular. <laughs> Surely, surely the NRL would pay, pay our expenses over that, right, 60? Surely. I was, I, was, I was about to say on that, if, if when our time comes, are we all going, gents? Because I know for me it's a resounding yes. My wife's got family over there. I have, it's a good excuse to get over to the States. I like visiting over there. John, I know it's pretty similar for you in that you know you don't need an excuse to get over there. But 60s, are we going to get you? Are we going to get you across to the, the red, white, and blue of America? You know, I'm... I'm going to say that it'll end up being closer to the no. It's America's <laughs> never been. It's it's never been on my bucket list for travel. I'm not. I'm not really what you'd call a traveller. I've I've done a bit of the Pacific and other Australian states, but um, I haven't done Europe and I haven't done the United States. I think if I'm likely to do another country at at some point, it's probably going to be more likely Europe before the United States, but you never know. You never know. I mean, the the Eels might come to us and say, look, we can't do an American <laughs> trip without the Cumberland throw being part of it. <laughs> Fellas, we'll, we'll To be honest, that sounds like a likelihood. I, I, yeah, I think they need us. A-listers. You, you know, we'll, pay for all your, we'll pay for all your expenses. We'll, we'll, give you, we'll give you spending money on credit cards. You know, the sky's the limit for... <laughs> for your <laughs> expenditure over there. Um, oh. You know, go over, have the time of your oh, lives. Shit. Just give us a mention while you're there. I think, you know, that <laughs> might change my Just mind pay us an bit. exposure. <laughs> Just pay us an exposure, please, TCT. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't like seeing any home games taken away from uh, Parramatta. I'm a bit selfish in that regard. Um I think it's. I, I think things like magic rounds and what have you are tremendous, as long as it doesn't involve take away a Parramatta but you, game. You're not. You're not particularly strong feeling about state of origin. Would you be willing to give up a state of origin game no. or series? Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I said. I got no dramas yeah. with origin. I mean, I, I'd, I'd expand it to origin, um, and without. I, I'd do that without even blinking because that's where they can do a standalone. Origin round. Yeah, what's well, been spoken about, hasn't it? Like it separating please. representative round from regular football. Well, here you go. Here's an yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they could they could throw in the uh, women's origin as well, the... and make it a double header in that regard. And maybe maybe there'd be they could have like a a, a grudge match between the two USARL uh, yeah. grand finalists. Yep. That's a good show. As, yeah. as like the, the curtain raiser for that, so they get the the local exposure. One thing leading into one thing I would stress is that whatever is played, wherever it is played, it needs to be on a grass surface because the astroturf mm-hmm. will cause all sorts of issues for our athletes that are used to running on uh, natural grass, um, turf turf toe, all sorts of other things. The uh, the synthetic surfaces there, while they serve a purpose for the codes they're used for, um, they will not go well for our athletes. Not at all. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's important as well. That um, no matter how things are developed, expanded, that the welfare of the players has to be a priority yep. uh, with all of that. So, Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Look, it's uh, interesting times ahead for that. I 
do wish all the players well that are going over there. Uh, let's hope that it is successful because ultimately we're rugby league NRL fans and we love the game. We love supporting the game. Um, our main passion is obviously the Parramatta Reels, but we, as you know, as far as our competition is concerned, if you didn't have um, this competition, we wouldn't have the Parramatta Reels to follow. So we want the we want the code, the competition to be successful, and we want the best for this venture would over you, in America. Would you give a mandate to the referees? And I, I use this very carefully worded, but to referee as if it was a finals game more than an NRL game in order to let the game flow a bit more, to not be bogged down by a lot of, you know, ruck stuff and whatnot. We, we open a can of worms. We, I think we are opening a can yeah. of worms here because the next, the next round when you're back in Australia... I, I agree, but you want to give your best product, right? You want the game to flow yeah. to go set for well, set. Yep. I, 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 I absolutely endorse it from that perspective. On the caveat that that continues all the way through, so that way it's 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 the game officiated um, evenly throughout the throughout the season. But if you know if, if you if you're going to uh, nitpick on everything, then you know I, I feel as though even though it's probably going to be in this scenario to the detriment of the product, you're going to have to be consistent with it because you know the the question of equity comes up and goes. You know, uh, we were referee this way over in um, Vegas. 14 days ago and now now copying this what what's doing that's well fair. john my concern my concern is referees are human and whether there might be a a natural inclination to keep mm. it as simple as possible mm-hmm. so i was hoping not to even discuss the word match officials or referees um <laughs> in looking at this game but that is that's actually one of my concerns is that it will be officiated differently, and I and I don't want it officiated differently because, as as much as, you know, a, a free flowing game might be the best product, it doesn't necessarily give you the re, the right result if you've got one team that, you know, if it becomes obvious that the referees aren't going to pull things up, you know what players and coaches are like. Oh yeah, give them an inch, they'll take it's, a mile. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they would, if it became obvious that that was the uh, the edict, that then you can you can bet that the spectacle of the game is going to suffer because you'd have uh, one or both teams looking to push the boundaries, and you know it could get it could get uglier rather than more attractive. So um, yeah, I I. I'd hope that the NRL would stay away from anything like that in terms of Managing suggestion. The contest, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh and I hope that the referees, the match officials aren't um overcome by the occasion in in mm. how they control the matches. I'm sure they won't be. I have all faith in match officials, gentlemen. <laughs> That, is, this, that's, is this a uh, 2024 resolution? No, I'm not going to say it's a resolution. Maybe this is always me deep down, a, a deep faith in in match officials and referees. I believe in them. <laughs> I believe I believe that they will be close to perfect in this season, upcoming season. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, gents, I think this just about wraps things up for our very first podcast of 2024. 
Um, we're probably not too far away from introducing the preview podcast because we'll have the junior rep season starting in February and we'll have four matches. John, count them. Four matches every week to preview and cover on TCT. I mean, we're, we're talking about a huge, you know, if they're all on the Saturday at the same venue, my goodness, talk about a marathon yeah. day at the football. Um, and it will be a marathon doing previews of four grades of junior reps. So we may be very soon switching to the two podcasts per week to get our preview one in. And uh, of course, then when the season itself starts, we'll be back to the three podcasts a week and our home match appearances at Parramatta Leagues Club for the live podcast. So stand by for that and for news on that. In the meantime, gentlemen, uh, our thanks again to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf at North Mead. Look, if if you're going to get together with mates, work colleagues, whoever, family, uh, you can host events down there, parties, all on these magnificent game simulators. So uh, check out Big Swing Golf at North Mead. They are supporters of the Cumberland Throw. Get down there and uh, enjoy the facilities they've got. Uh, Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta. Star Partners have been with us almost since the start Mm -hmm. of the Cumberland Throw. They've already indicated that they'll be back again for 2024. What can we say about Greg and his team at the three offices? It's, I mean, they're just, they are the the, the greatest loyal sponsors that you could, any mm. any site could ever have. And um, yeah, uh, Greg's already been in touch with me to say that they're, they're backing up again for 2024. So thanks, uh, thanks for that, Greg. Um, so, fellas, and thank you for another fine podcast, both of you fellas. And as I always say, thank you to our listeners and go, you mighty eels.